Welcome to the Bear Grass Christian Church Podcast. I'm Dee Decker, Director of Communications, and it's a pleasure to welcome you. This week, we kick off a new sermon series titled, We Are Beargrass. Although stewardship is a daily matter, we devote some time each year for a more focused emphasis on stewardship education. We are called to give prayerful and careful consideration to the ways we will support the mission and ministry with our time, talent, and resources. Christian stewardship is the faithful management of all that God gives to us, a spiritual discipline, and not the same as secular fundraising. It's more about faith raising, as Dr. Bond says. Stewardship is not paying the bills, it's paying attention to how we use our gifts. As people of faith, it is something that deserves praying attention, especially when we consider how much Jesus talked and taught about it. In the upcoming messages, you will hear we are bear grass, stewards of hope, stewards of grace, and stewards of joy. Letters, invitations, and pledge cards have been mailed. Commitment Day will be November 16th for our Saturday Saints and Sunday, November 24th for the rest of the church family. We encourage you to present your card as an act of worship during one of the Commitment Day services. If you are unable to be present, please mail the card to the church office. Contact Janelle Buckman at 896-1161 or set up a pledge online at www.beargrass.org. Here now is Dr. Lee Bond with We Are Beargrass, Stewards of Hope. Man, thanks to Dee Decker for putting that uh, video together that reminds us there's a whole lot going on around this place. And uh, thanks to Alan Forsyth, uh, who's taken on another hat to the Stewardship Education Chair and to uh, set the table for us for the next few weeks. Uh, we'll first turn our attention to today's text. You can find it on page 854 in the Black Pew Bibles that are near you. But I invite you to uh, hear this uh, powerful story from Luke 19. He, Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through it, and a man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see Jesus because he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to that place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So Zacchaeus hurried down and was happy to welcome Jesus, and all who saw it began to grumble and said, he has gone to be the guest of a person who's a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, look, look, half of my possessions, Lord, I'm going to give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anybody of anything, I will pay back four times as much. And then Jesus said to him today, today salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. But the son of man came to seek out and to save the lost. This is the word of God for the people of God. 
Thanks be to God and thanks uh, to you all for being here on this uh, gorgeous Sunday morning. Uh, Before I get into the uh, topic today, I would would like to offer a couple of expressions of gratitude. First, I want to thank Dr. Lowe for uh, arranging for a very meaningful All Saints celebration last Sunday. It's always inspiring to see the list of the names who've gone before us, the saints of this faith community who have given of themselves uh, and uh, so fully and allowed us to be where we are today. And then thanks to all of my colleagues uh, for their help two weeks ago. Uh, For my birthday, I got a brand new sinus infection. And uh, and I got a bonus gift this year. Usually I get a sinus infection in the fall, but I got the bonus gift of laryngitis. And uh, it hadn't happened before. Usually it's a one or two day deal, but uh, this lasted three days, four or five. We're getting late into the week. And uh, my colleagues intervened and said, you are staying home. We've got this covered. So, you know, they came up with this creative idea to team preach um, two weeks ago. Did you hear? Were you here? Didn't they do a great job? I mean, awesome. Uh, Fantastic. I've heard so many good things, and now we're going to call them the three pulpiteers. All right, so so you may you may hear from them again sometime. Uh, and, and then Bruce Lott had a suggestion uh, that if we all all team preach, uh, we would have a, a four part homily. All right, choir members, you'll get that before the rest of good. We're gonna. I don't know if that'll happen or not, Bruce. But great suggestion. And on that note, let's get to the subject uh, at hand today. It is good to be back and to begin this important time in the life of the church. Uh, stewardship is a, is a daily matter, but we devote some time every year as a church family to uh, have a more focused emphasis on stewardship education. We give prayerful and careful consideration to to the gifts God has given us, our time and our talent and resources, which are provided to us for mission and ministry. Uh, Stewardship is the faithful management of all of God's gifts. Remember, this is not our stuff. These are on loan. These are gifts from God. Uh, And all of this is not the same as secular fundraising. It is really faith raising. It's not paying the bills. Uh, it's, It's a spiritual discipline, as Alan said, and it's something that deserves praying attention Uh, from all of us, especially when you consider how much Jesus taught and talked about this subject. One of the the primary areas uh, of ministry in his uh, communications as he uh, offered up his life and and teaching. So uh, information will be shared over the next few weeks. Commitment Day will be uh, next Saturday evening for the Saturday Saints, and then it'll be on November 24th for the rest of the Sunday folk here. So we, uh, we appreciate your prayers and support as we uh, share in this important time together. And and this is much more about ministry and mission than it is about money. By God's grace, our gifts change people. They they change the world and and they uh, will also uh, be grounded in in a type of vision and mission for this church family. This sermon series will focus on the spiritual fruits of our giving. Sometimes we get caught up in in the stuff, the the time, the talent, the treasure, but we're focusing on gifts that money cannot buy, but gifts uh, that provide the opportunity for folks to connect in relationship to God and receive the gifts of the Spirit. And so the upcoming messages will be, we are bear grass, uh, stewards of hope, and then stewards of 
grace, and then stewards of joy. So again, thanks for being here. Today's story uh, from Luke is a a tale of of hope, and I invite you to imagine the scene. Uh, The setting is in the wealthy Greco-Roman city of Jericho. This city is not the Jericho of old. Uh, The folks have done well. The place is now a magnificent municipality with lots of big, fancy buildings and wide streets and homes, mansions, finally appointed places to live, and it's located near the Jordan River, and so it's a major stop on the trade routes between uh, Jerusalem and Judea and cities off to the east, uh, which also makes it a tourist trap. Uh, It's an important customs and tax center where tolls are collected because people have to pass through this place. It's also a place where beggars confront the wealthy and hope to get some help. Into this environment, into this uh, setting, enter Zacchaeus. I don't know what you know about Zach. Uh, some of you may be ma- meeting him for the first time today, uh, but some of you have known him for years. He is that wee little man in the wee little song that we learned in Sunday school, vacation Bible school, right? Uh, how many of you can still sing it? Uh, you know the motions? Remember the motions and all that? Well, I don't, I don't. Anyway, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was, you know, how yeah, he still got it. He's been described as kind of a Danny DeVito kind of character. You know, DeVito has played <laughs> played characters in movies that, that we love to hate. You know, uh, Zacchaeus, though, is the real deal. He's not acting. He's this. He's the real deal. He, he's a tax collector, not just a tax collector. He's a chief tax collector. And so he's a tax collector's tax collector. He contracts with the Roman rulers for the right to collect revenues or taxes. In other words, to take other people's money. And it's likely that he lines his pockets with a little bit of extra eh, that he tacks onto the taxes that he collects. And so add another adjective to the list for this gentleman, vertically challenged, wealthy, corrupt, and despised. How would you like that in your resume? Huh? Uh, and, and here's something that's kind of odd in this story. Doesn't, doesn't, doesn't feel right. Proper names are not common within the gospel stories. If you've read much of the, much of the gospel, you know, uh, people are described by their condition, their situation, whatever. You don't always see these proper names. And this one's really strange because in the Greek, uh, the, the name Zacchaeus is a form of pure and innocent. Seriously? Calling him pure is, is like calling grumpy happy. I mean, it, it, it doesn't fit. But maybe something happens. Uh, something is missing in, in Zach's life. You know, he's got enough money to buy anything he wants, but it is not enough. And he's heard about this teacher from Galilee, and he's seen the stories in the Galilean Gazette. Jesus heals. Jesus changes people's lives. Jesus brings good news. And old Zach has plenty of change, but he he needs a different kind of change. So this vertically challenged, wealthy, corrupt, despised person does what any of us would do in his situation, right? Wrong. Can you imagine, would you do, if you were a person of power and wealth, shinny up a sycamore tree in your robe. People might see things you don't want to see. You know, you know, I'm just saying. We want it's a comical scene. We want to laugh at this little guy trying to get up the tree in his robe, but then uh, something else is going on. And so we can add another 
adjective to the list. Vertically challenged, wealthy, corrupt, despised, and desperate. Desperate for a view of Jesus. Part of the beauty of Stephen's message to the children this morning is taking them up there, gave them a new view from the sanctuary up there. So Zacchaeus wants a different view, a different perspective here. And so he perches himself on the parade route like a parakeet waiting for Jesus to come along. But Jesus has already seen him. He sees him spiritually sick in the sycamore and he calls him out. He calls him out, Zacchaeus. He calls him out by name, Zacchaeus, come on down. I'm going to your house today. Surprise. And all of the folks in the crowd rejoice. Is that what it said in the text? No, what did it say? They grumbled. They murmured. They muttered. They mumbled. What? His house? Jesus, you've got to be kidding. You're going to the house of that nasty, cheating, low life? Mm-mm, but Jesus, Jesus sees through all of that and recognizes the hunger of this man. Someone describes this incredible scene. Jesus calls him by name and reaches across the barriers of respectability and social status and common sense. Zach is a sinner, but aren't we all? And Jesus offers him what money cannot buy. He offers a relationship. He, he offers a chance to be transformed. Jesus fulfills his mission in this situation because he comes to seek and save the lost. And Zacchaeus is lost. And Zach's transformation is a graceful invitation from Jesus, unexpected, undeserved, and socially unacceptable. But it happens. And it says in the story that because of Jesus' invitation, Zach is what? Is happy. He's happy. I wonder when the last time Zacchaeus had been happy before that moment. How long? How long? And the translation's not even strong enough here because, because the word really means overjoyed, overwhelmed, full of hope, ecstatic. And all, all of those adjectives we were collecting about Zach, you know, boom, hit the delete button, they're gone. Replace them with new words. Recognized. Loved. Welcomed. Forgiven, set free, child of God, saved, whole, transformed, full of hope. Zacchaeus repents, he turns his life around, he changes. And if it's possible for someone like him, it's possible for anyone. And so I think the story leads us to start asking some questions about our own lives and our own community of faith. Can we become stewards of this kind of hope? Do you know anybody like Zach who needs to hear a little good news and needs some love? Is there anything about him with which you personally can identify? Do you recall any moments in your life when you experienced uh, some kind of spiritual transformation where you saw things in a way you had not seen them before and it, it clicked, you had that God moment and you knew? 
And, and I wonder, you know, I wonder, does his story give us clues about our lifestyles and our priorities? Is the imbalance of wealth we see a concern for our, our community, our, our country, our, our world as a whole? Forbes dropped their annual top 400 list last month. Many of you have seen the magazine or seen the list or at least know some of the names on the list. Uh, Their combined net worth, if you take all 400, is $3 trillion. I could live on that. Um, Top of the list, Bezos. Still the richest, despite parting with $46 billion in that little conversation he had with his wife. And then the Gates at $106 billion, and then Buffett uh, with a mere $80 billion. Uh, you know, <laughs> there are 600 billionaires in our country, 2,600 billionaires around the world. But one of them cried last week. I don't know if you saw the interview. One of them cried last week, Leon Cooperman, who only has a mere $3 billion. It's about the same as the person in the Oval Office, the president, and he are about on the same place in the Forbes list. But Leon was weeping last week. He was worried about having to share a little more, possibly. I don't know much about Leon, but I wonder... Is there a reason for him to weep? Or is this just about a potential wealth tax? I I don't know. I, I wonder. I wonder if he cries because he can never pay his medical bills. I wonder if he cries because he cannot pay off his student loans. I wonder if he cries because he cannot afford child care. You know, Zacchaeus lives, and not all of them have had a change of heart. One of my stewardship heroes is John Wesley out of the Methodist tradition, and he had just a great one-line summary of, of all of this, which I think makes so much sense. You know, earn all you can, earn all you can, and then save all you can, and then give all you can. Isn't that good? I mean, that just kind of sums it up right there. And, you know, most of us really like that first part, the earn all you can part. Yeah, it's it's the second and third that give us a little headache sometimes. Americans owe more than $4 trillion in consumer debt. Average Americans spend hundreds of dollars on non-essential items every month. And if we can't save it, we can't give it. So we go back to these formulas. Start thinking about this. Uh, Wesley pursued a higher standard of giving instead of a higher standard of living. But those stories can be told not just about people far from here or a long time ago. They can be told right now about people like you. One of our members taught a series of Sunday school lessons called Money, Wealth, and Giving. She asked a question that we all sometimes ask when we see these big lottery winners or whatever. You know, what would you do with $1 million of tax-free income money? What would you do with it? 
Well, the class started to talk about that a little bit, and some said, well, we'd, I'd pay off some debt, and I'd save a little bit, put some back. Some said, well, I'd give some to church, give some to charities. Some, some others said, I'm going to help out some family members or friends that are having a hard time. And, and finally, one quiet woman in the back said, you know what, I, I have enough. I have enough right now. And I'd give it all away. I'd give it away. Friends, I do not have to tell you that that ain't natural. <laughs> that, that, ain't, that, ain't no, that ain't normal. That, that, that's not what our culture and society teaches, right? How many of you have seen a couple of commercials lately? I mean, every commercial is a, an enticement that if you buy this thing, it will make you happy and give you joy. It's a, you know it's a lie. You know it's a lie. Real hope is seen in people who are in a relationship with God, and that kind of cheerful, joyous giving is seen in the lives of those who have been transformed by the, by the power of God's Spirit. It is seen in those who make homes for refugees in a new land who greet them at the airport. It is seen in those who provide food for the homeless in the community and, and put together Thanksgiving dinners through programs like St. Mams. It's, give, it's given to those. It's seen in those who give books and pajamas to children of single mothers who hardly have enough to live. And, and that kind of change of heart and change for hope has happened to so many of you. And it happened to Zacchaeus a long time ago. Friends, I have to tell you, this is one of the most generous churches I have ever known. You are some of the most generous people I've ever met. And I want to say thank you. Thanks be to God for you. We are bare grass. And by the grace and power of God, we are stewards of hope.